This is Daniel Hagedorn for Preparing Kids for Life at PK4L.com, and our podcast is for all things parenting. My wife and I are so passionate about helping parents reclaim their rightful place as the number one expert on their own kids. So our podcast focuses on time-tested principles any parent can learn and apply to give their children a childhood they won't have to recover from and to prepare them for life as the best version of themselves. So we talk about every parent's most basic fears because these have been our fears too. Things like, I don't have what it takes to be a good parent or I'm not qualified or I'm gonna mess my kids up. You know, as parents, we will do anything to help our kids. And since our ceiling is our children's floor, we owe it to them to always be learning and growing. For 365 days, you've been invited into our experiment, and we're committed to walking alongside your journey as your personal outfitters, guides, and allies. Every day, every step of the way. So we are finishing out our three-part podcast uh, with Attila Horvath, uh, who is a father of four, an engineer, an author, whose insights I can guarantee will cause you to respond at least once with, I never looked at it that way. And that's kind of been the focus of our, our discussion. One of the, one of the things that uh, we, we kind of touched on in the previous episode, but we really wanted to, to flesh out and completely explore was this idea of how parents tend to focus on everything their children need to learn, which isn't in and of itself necessarily bad, but the more important thing is what parents need to unlearn. And so I just thought we would explore that a little bit and uh, and kind of take a look at your 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 thoughts on that. Like what what unlearning actually means, you know, what we what do we mean by that? And and how unlearning really is the path to seeing the the value and the and the meaning and things. And um so I just I just was curious uh you know, how how you sort of look at this idea of unlearning. In the introduction, you made a comment that parents want to do the best for their children. And uh, inadvertently, sometimes the best that we want for our children doesn't manifest itself as the best for the children, primarily because in order to unlearn, one must look at themselves and see this adage that we don't know what we don't know. Mm. And uh, yeah. so I'm going to give you an example. This is a hyperbole. In other words, this is a real example. It's a real uh, bit of history. And it's happening as we speak uh, to a couple. And the, the situation is this. There's a couple, has one child. And the couple's husband's brother uh, had two children. He has two children. And the two children were abused. Now, I don't have the details about what that means. It may be sexual, it may be emotional, it may be physical. But the brother was moved enough to adopt these two children. So now his nephew and niece became the stepchildren. Then they fought, then they fought another battle. The battle is these children were scarred. And so I'm going I'm to use some terms. And these terms are important to understand. Uh, one is called... Self-talk. Hmm. And when you talk to yourself, the things you say to yourself sometimes are the worst thing that anybody will, will say to you. Oh, if so your friend true. said this to you, you would be very angry, but you're saying it to yourself and it affects you. It affects you subconsciously. 
So you can imagine these two children come from an abuse situation. Another term I'm going to throw out is called explanatory style. And that is the way you explain things to yourself. And as a child, you tend to be harsher on yourself than the reality will render. In other words, you look at things in a lot more hyperbolic manner rather than looking at a perspective. So you mean like children tend to be much more black and white and because they kind of lack the just life experience to differentiate, you know, how much value to attach on it, everything is always critical. Everything is always at the highest level. Is that kind of what you're driving at? And that's, you put your finger on it. Uh, the, the issue is that they tend to be more on the black than the white side. They carry in that black, in that extreme, a self-fulfilling, no, I don't say that, it is blame on themselves. So mm. the self-talk tends to lean more towards the black than the white. And as we spoke earlier in the previous sessions, there are two modes. There's protection mode and there's growth mode. A protection mode is brought about because we're fearful, we're scared, we are insecure. We have elements that keep us from seeing a broad perspective because of our position in being in a protective mode. Then there's a growth mode. A growth mode is a mode that you're in love. The loving environment that you're in produces growth. Mm. Now, here's these two children that come into a family. They are abused. Do you want to make a guess in what mode they're in? They're in protection mode. Right. Now, the parents are very well-to-do. They're, they're middle-income uh, middle type, two-family working, two-member two the family's working, and their child is, is pretty good, and all of a sudden these two elements come in that disrupt the family terribly. Mm. To the point where the father, which is really the uncle mm. of these two children, is going to throw in the towel. He says, there's no way I can take care of this. So let's analyze this for a little bit. And our point in talking with Daniel here in our previous conversations, even off, off the microphone, has to do with what does that parent have to do to touch the child? What environment does, what does he have to do to take the environment from protection mode to growth mode? Now, there are several things that have to happen, but I think we narrowed down the dignity of the child to be able to take that child's worth and elevate it to the point where the child sees it so it enters into the self-talk and also enters into their explanatory style. Right. In other words, we talked about God has given us an identity. An identity is the being that we are. The things that happen to this being don't happen to the being, it happens around the being. And God has worth in your being. So as a parent, we have to look at ourselves and saying, what damage do I have? And what damage that I have do I affect my child? Because my intent is, as the introduction spoke, to bring that child to the point of being in growth mode or to do the best we can to bring that child up. 
Now this is a this is a, a situation that is an adoption, and there's a there's foreign elements coming in, and the man and the wife are just totally beyond themselves to figure out what to do. So let's leave that now and let's talk about you. You talk about you and your child. We know that we all have our baggage. We all have our picadillos sometimes, sometimes even worse. But to be able to be transparent, to say, look, at this is who I am and this is who you are and how can we work together to get to the end result of you feeling loved or you feeling affirmed or your self-talk turning around to be good for you and your explanatory style is positive as opposed to negative. I think, you know, when you when you share that, one of the things that stands out to me is that because parents can't give their kids something they don't have, a lot of it has a lot of it rests on whether or not parents are willing to look at themselves and to do what they need to heal uh, so that they can be a safe place for their kids to come into and experience exactly what it is that you're talking about. I think a lot of times, though, the focus tends to be on the wrong thing. So it's more about how do I modify this child's behavior? And I'm not suggesting that we be okay with bad behavior. I'm just saying what our, what should our, our focus be? And I, and I think it's it rests a lot more on, you know, um, reinforcing uh, that, look, this behavior isn't you. You may have done this, but it isn't who you are. It isn't who you were made to be. And I think constantly drawing that out allows us to sort of correct the things that need to be changed, but to do it in a way that like you say, gives the child honor and dignity because we're acknowledging the fact that that child is not defined by a particular choice they made or a particular action that they they did. That child is divined, defined first and foremost by God as a being created in God's image. And so it automatically comes with that dignity and I just think it's it's important to kind of keep that in mind as, as we're processing our own stuff and helping our kids process theirs, that there's a differentiation between what they've done or what they've said and who they are and what their value as a person is. There's two things you pointed out that are, are, are more than just two, but these two things I'm going to point out that were significant in what you just said is that you, you look at the child, you look at his behavior as separate from him or her. In other words, just because the behavior is bad doesn't mean that the person's bad. That's mm -hmm. the one thing you bring up. The thing that I'm emphasizing is that the child has to have that modeled and it has to be modeled through the parents. Mm, yep. Now Absolutely. the the that means that the parent got their act together enough to understand that they are not condemning the the they're not blaming the sin. <laughs> they're blaming the they're 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 extracting the sin from the sinner. Yeah, and uh, in the many cases, especially when things get tough, the reality is that the parents are put in a position to react. Mm. If you're going to react, be as we said in earlier in the earlier podcast, take ownership of your action. 
The idea of taking ownership of your action is including your, your child in the process. So here we are, we're laying out a process in a way, the process is not just the child, but you're involved with the child too. And that process is part of you too. To extricate yourself from that process is doing yourself an injustice because you're not growing. And you may even be in protection mode. What is your self-talk? What is your, uh, are you in growth mode? Are you in protection mode? These are things that one has to become cognizant of in order to understand what is being projected to the child. So the significant, thing, the significant thing that you mentioned is that the, the parent has to be cognizant of that. They have to understand, but also they have to know that they're part of the process. And sometimes yes. it is so easy to lose track of that because we get so involved with the end goal is and we lose mm. track of the fact that I'm part of the end goal and I have an opportunity uh. to do it. That's such a good point. And that's, I think, like the, when you view parenting like a journey. Um, and and I think when you do it in that paradigm, then you can enjoy the process instead of constantly feeling like you're in a state of needing to produce some sort of result, you know. Um, and and again, the, the, the ultimate result is that the child loves God, they love themselves, they love other people. I mean, that's ultimately what we're trying to help them navigate that is the journey and that's in some ways a journey we'll be on for the rest of our natural lives and the reason that it's a journey and it's going to happen over and over is because there are things that there is evil in the world there are yeah. things that are going to step in the way and uh, for whatever reason god has allowed this and it allowed us for for all things work together for good mm. so the idea of that if i can look for example, say I'm in a fixed mindset. If things happen to me, there's nothing I can do about it. Right. Whoa. That means no matter what I do, I'm going to be the same. Right. You don't have a tendency <laughs> of wanting to change it because you right. know you can't. However, if someone points out that there is not, this is not a fixed thing, it's a, it's a fluid thing, it's a thing that you can grow from, then all of a sudden the scripture that says all things work together for good for those who love the Lord becomes real because that now becomes a, a stepping stone for me to grow. And I have the, the belief and the confidence and the hope that it can change. Yeah, That happens in the process, not just with the child, but also with the parent. I have four children. I can say this without any reticence. I've learned more from my children in terms of relationship than any book I've ever read. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. And if that's so with me, it's also so it could be true to you, with you, because we don't have all the answers. And the answers that we do have many times are the wrong ones. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a hard, it's a humble thing to, to come to, but I believe that this whole idea of parenting, the whole idea of, of taking and looking at your child as the end result that they're going to be is that they have dignity, they have worth, and they can have the confidence that what they do is going to take them through life and also, most importantly, have an effect on others in such a way to lift them up. What yeah. else would we want? Right. You know, it's interesting when you mentioned that with, with the kids and how, um, like, kind of what we want to see in them. And I, I think 
when you said that you know you learn more from your kids than any book that is so I think so true I can't even tell you how many times I've I've had things that I've seen in my daughter Landry and then had a moment to kind of reflect a little bit and go wow I'm putting that there and and so so much of I mean yeah you know at some point kids kids have their own responsibility for their own choices and their own decisions but at the same time you know it's a it's a challenging very humbling thing to look at how much of what i see is a provoked response from what i've said or done you to know? reframe it a little differently i'll give you my point of view when i say i learn more from my children i learn more from my children because they weren't afraid to tell me what there was on their mind that was the impetus for me to look at myself and say, hmm, I never saw that before. I never, <laughs> I never looked at it that way before. And, right. and that gave me an understanding. But now underneath it, let's face it, there had to be a means of communication. There had to yeah. be a pathway in which they felt comfortable enough to tell me something that was a negative that they saw in me. Now, it doesn't mean that everything they say negative about me was true. I have discernment. and right. But the dialogue was there, and I have a way of looking and getting the heartbeat, the pulse of what that child sees in me. <laughs> I don't know if we said this before, but there's a, a very scary thing you can do. And the scary thing you can do is this. Ask somebody else, what is it like to see me from the other side of me? Mm. And what I'm talking about is giving my children the ability to tell me what they see without having the fear of my my retaliation or retribution for them doing that. That's so powerful. One of the things that we talk about in our courses, our books, I mean, like it's just a cornerstone um, of this is creating a safe environment for our children to thrive. That, that basically children cannot thrive except perhaps by divine accident in an environment that is not safe. Like they need that safety in order to thrive and, and step into the best version of themselves. And I think it's so powerful that you, that's exactly what you gave your children. And that's exactly what it looks like when they have a safe environment is they can be themselves, they can be honest, and they know that you are going to legitimately and authentically listen to what they have to say. You may not end up agreeing with it, and that's the parental prerogative, but at the same time, at least they had a safe place in which to share that. So they're not carrying all of this unspoken communication inside of them, which eventually, you know, my wife really, you know, talks about that as grief, at, you know, loss, because it's an undelivered communication. And when we have that, it just stacks up and stacks up. And of course, the end up, the end result of that is children acting out in all kinds of self-destructive ways, some of which are more socially acceptable than others, but they're self-destructive nonetheless. I would like to emphasize one thing, and this is the whole point. That isn't patting myself in the back. It is a process. And it wasn't an easy process. Yeah. Because at times, I didn't want to hear that. Sure. And I had to deal with my <laughs> own ego. Right. I had to deal with, wait a minute, I'm the adult. I know better than you. And all that garbage that comes right. out of our mouth sometimes because my self-talk <laughs> wasn't in line with what they were saying. Mm. So the process of getting to the point where how do I give my children enough room to say things to me 
another part of the process. They've learned how to say it. They took the sting off. Mm. The sting of them saying something at, at 18 or 17 is different than where they are now. They're a lot more smooth than telling me, Dad, I think this. <laughs> and I go, wow, because I've seen them grow. I've seen their perspective change. Mm. I have appreciated that they can be honest and open with me. And I can't tell you how wonderful it is for them to tell me something about myself that I didn't know that I appreciated them telling me. Mm. Wow. And that was a process. It didn't happen in the beginning. When they were 13, when they opened their mouth, it was like a, it was like a machete <laughs> cutting through my soul. And yeah. <laughs> uh, I probably did react. And that set us back because now the right. environment wasn't there. The safety wasn't there. Right. Think about God. Is God going to be mad if you tell him, I don't like what you're doing? No, he's going to listen to you. But he's going to turn it around to make you see what you need to see from a perspective that's not just good for you, but it's good for everyone around you. Mm. But if it hasn't been said, you never would have gotten there. And uh, God's big enough to be able to hand criticism because he knows it from the beginning. Yeah. And that's sort of maybe not a good analogy, but I think it is because God <laughs> is the greatest parent that we could have. And that's yep. a good one to model. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it isn't easy. It's a process. And the thing is, we're human. Yeah, I pinch myself. I feel I bleed. I, uh, I can have. I can be touched emotionally, psychologically. Sure. I am a human being, and I have been pointed out that I have many faults, and but those faults brought to me to my attention give me an opportunity, just like you give your children an opportunity to make a mistake and thrive from it, not under duress, but under the the growth mindset of being able to do take this and make them better yeah it's like an opportunity to choose differently it's a process and you know what i think <laughs> i know you said it many many times but i i just want to say that and reiterate that again this is all a process you know we're talking about this over the span of a you know a 20 minute or so podcast uh i think sometimes we have the mentality of you know how everything is wrapped up neatly in a sitcom in 23 minutes and life does not work that way at all and this is this is the the part where you know I'll often say you know parenting in and of itself is simple and straightforward but actually doing the parenting is incredibly incredibly challenging i think that cliche about parenting is the toughest job you'll ever love is is just absolutely so true. Uh, we wouldn't trade it for anything, but it absolutely challenges everything we are as a man or a woman. And, um, if, and it's a process. If you have the right mindset. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, and that's kind of what we're, we're getting at is you have to start with the right mindset. And then over time you can enjoy the process and experience improvement and experience just even stepping into who you were meant to be as a parent. Just like your child is stepping into who they were meant to be as a young man or a young woman. Do you love yourself? Is your self-talk edifying? If you can edify yourself, you can turn around and edify other people. Mm. But the two will not work in, in concert if they're out of balance. Man, that is powerful. You know, when I was 
when I was teaching, I uh, my classroom was uh, right next to the hallway that went into the lunch area. And so oftentimes, because, you know, especially on the hotter days, kids would, would take their lunch and they would sit along the wall and then there's just this little door basically separating us and I would hear their conversations. And I was just... I was at first stunned and then really saddened by how much negative self-talk there is. Like until you really stop and get very intentional about it and become very aware of it, it will shock you how much and how often we are just ripping ourselves down all the time. You bring up something that I I would be remiss if I didn't mention it. And this may be longer than we want it to go. But there is a thing called the Losada test, the Losada uh, ratio. And it's uh, there are two people, Fredrickson and Losada. Losada was a Brazilian social scientist. And he came up with this idea. He said, what, let's find out what the ratio is between negatives and positives that a company can, it was towards business, a company can mm. thrive. And the number is 2.9013. Positive statements to negative statements. Mm. If it's over, let's say three, then the, the company thrived. If it was over 11 to one, the company diminished because then it, fall, it fell out of the realism, the realistic. Right. So the Losada, if you take that, put it on your family, put it on yourself. How often do you give yourself positive thoughts as opposed to negative thoughts? And if it's under three, you're hurting yourself. You're hurting your family. You're hurting your kids. Mm. And statistics says that every six minutes, parents are correcting their children. <laughs> well, wow. how many negatives are in there? Or maybe you can reframe it in such a way that it's not negative. Oh, there's an idea. Yeah. The point is... Your attitude in terms of why and the intent by which you do correction can make all the difference in the world. If the child can go ahead and grow from the criticism, it has to be in balance with the Losada ratio, three to one. That's something to think wow. about. Wow. That's awesome. I'd never heard of that. And that's really, and it makes a lot of sense. Because you know what? Uh, if you think about it, um, on one hand, we need affirmation, we need encouragement, but as you pointed out, it needs to be legitimate. It needs to be authentic. Um, you know, in this era of fake self-esteem, you know, handing out participant ribbons for breathing in and out is, is not benefiting our kids in any way, shape, or form. In fact, when kids have, kids that are really working hard, it sort of diminishes any incentive for them to, to strive. And then the kids that are getting all these undeserved rewards, they actually feel a guilt over getting an undeserved, unmerited reward, in which case their self-esteem is lowering. It, it's this irony where we now live in an era where the focus on self-esteem has never been higher, but our actual self-esteem has never been lower. I'd like to add this. This whole idea of giving everybody an award, the kids know that it's fake. Yep. Now, whether it's negative to them or positive to them, the fact is that they know, which takes away from authenticity, which mm -hmm. takes away from the, a reward that is preceded by hard work. You hit it on the head. It takes away their internal motivation because 
Anything that is fake, anything that is inauthentic, takes away from their internal motivation to drive themselves to an end goal. Mm. And uh, may, the end goal may change, but the internal motivation that is embedded in the child has to do with self-esteem, has to do with the positive to the negative ratio, has to do with mindset, has to do with uh, explanatory style, all the things we talked about. There's a lot of words, but each one of those things come down to one thing. Does the child know their value? Mm. And if they know their value because it's been given to them to see it, you can't take that away. Yeah, that's a great observation. And I think, you know, that's, I mean, there's probably a, a lot more we could say about this process of unlearning. But I just want to really encourage you guys that, you know, unlearning stuff, um, it's good. Not only is it positive, but we are, um, we're human beings. We're not always going to do the right thing. We're not always going to think the right thing. That's why this process of parenting is a journey. And that's why, honestly, all we have to do is as we go through it, own our stuff in the process. And I, and I'd like to add, it can be done. It is available to everyone. And that's the important thing to take from this or anything. You have the ability to change just by your attitude changing. Mm. And that's a God-given gift. Yeah. Because you're talking about the being, not the the consequences that are against the being. They're separate. They're separate. God has made you into a soul that is unique and that is beautiful. And like we started from the beginning, that note needs to be developed. Mm -hmm. And your note being developed to play in the orchestra of humanity means that you need to take and utilize some of these things, these tools, because it can be done. And yep. we have courage, we have encouraged meant for you, and we are encouraged that you've listened to this podcast. Yeah. Yeah, it is good. And thank you so much for listening. There are literally hundreds and thousands of podcasts out there. You chose to give us the precious gift of your time and listen to ours. We're grateful for that. Definitely check out our website, pk4l.com, for more resources. And please click on the link in the show description to download your free ebook. Building an Emotionally Safe Home is our gift to you. Remember, we also included a link to Attila's book, which I highly recommend. And remember, we are with you every day, every step of the way. Until tomorrow, have a great day.